Do, by the way, on Tuesday, you know on Tuesday, on Tuesday, after we recorded the last episode on Tuesday, someone delivered a fresh baked warm chocolate cake. It was. So How do you know though? It's not poison. I made him eat it first. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church, where every single week you get real answers to tough questions from the Bible. I am your friendly pal, Patrick Swayze, hanging out here with Goldie Hunter, Kurt Russell. It's going to be an excellent show. Yeah, a lot of our listeners have no idea who any of those people are. I'm the P&B suffering from a very, very bad decision to get a haircut. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Stephanie you, Schaefer. You're in deep, deep pain. You've got your head yeah. wound of the haircut. Yes. Your arm, for our YouTube listeners, is strapped up with, um, you basically wrap some Velcro that you got from a craft room around yeah, your arm. It's called an old man brace. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, you guys are barely hanging in there today. Yeah, we hope I'm you're doing all right. I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great, man. I'm feeling pumped up. Calling myself Patrick for the rest of the day. Patrick Swayze. Yes. Okay. He's the one that was in the, the dancing movie, right? Yeah, Kurt and Russell's Ghost. In, oh, Ghost, Ghost was so yeah. good. I think I would. I wish I would have gone with Kurt Russell now beforehand. Actually, my the first movie I ever saw him in was the movie with Pony Boy. Um, oh, Pony um, Boy, The Outsiders. The Outsiders. Yeah, Pony? Patrick Swayze. Oh, you got to. You've never the seen Outsiders? The Outsiders? No. That was like the Outsiders has. Yeah, it has Tom Cruise. Went to a private school. Patrick Swayze. Really? Oh, is that the one where the boys walking around on the train tracks? Uh huh. John yes. C. McKinley has. Oh, Karate Kid is in that too. He plays yes. the guy that dies. I don't know. Remind me. I don't remember. Ralph Macchio. Wow. Karate Kid. You remind me that when is? I get home no. to watch I, The Outsiders. I'm a, like half know, a generation those, behind you. I know all those okay. teenagers are like 50 years old. Can you get, put your phone Siri down? Siri does not have a place on the debris. I just took okay. Do you know that the Pope was preach. offended this week at mass with all the people using their phones? And I feel like you need to listen to the Pope right now. What I just did right now though was trying. People I was trying to make write down what you did using their phones the on the Pope. I just mentally fired you. Does the Catholic Church have an app though? Is that? I don't, yeah, Sandals Church yeah. has an app. You may see people using their phones at Sandals well, Church, I but had, I take my I, notes in the app. I think no. the Pope had a great point. The Mass is not the time to be recording with your phone. It's the time to be connecting mm. with God. Mm. Mm. So. Oh, because they were like recording him because they were mm-hmm. seeing Mass with the Pope. Oh, yep. they're Instagramming him or something. Listen, Why? hey, Android users, you heard, heard it here first. You're less than a year away from getting a Sandals Church app on your device. Yeah. A year? Less than a year. Our smartest technical genius is working on it as we speak. Or at some point. Or I don't know point. if it's actually right now. I think he's actually off this week, but... Oh, yeah, see, there you go. You ready to do a show, Pastor Matt? Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into all that show goodness, we've got a wonderful five-star review uh, of this debrief podcast. Jojo B says, this is my favorite podcast. Here you go. Ready for this one? Even though Sandals Church is large, I love that I can still ask my pastor questions through the debrief podcast. With the debrief, the message doesn't just end on the weekends, but continues through the week and challenges me to continue thinking about the message. Amen. It is launched. hey Many conversations between my husband and I, conversations about God and our faith used to be rare, but listening to the debrief has helped us to learn how to have those conversations as well as grow closer to one another and God. Yeah, that's great. You want to take, if you want to take your relationship deeper, listen to the same show and talk about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's intimacy and it's spiritual. Mm -hmm. So spiritual intimacy, Hey, that's great for a marriage. That's maybe one of my favorite five-star reviews ever. Yes. I know. It's very encouraging. Well, especially after last week, you know, we had some people struggling with Sandal Church growing to hear this person say like, I love that I can still ask my mm. pastor questions. Yeah. That's what we're here for, folks. Jojo B. All right. Well, let's get into it. We got some follow-up questions uh, about finances, about some of that spooky stuff from Halloween a few weeks ago. Mm. Let's jump right into it. Here is a question from Ivan. My question this week is about tithing. We attend the Hunter Park campus regularly. However, we give our monthly tithe check to my parents' smaller Christian Spanish ministry that we do not attend. We can't help but wonder if there's anything wrong with doing this. We feel somewhat guilty for not contributing more to our home church and would love any feedback on this subject 
or our feelings. Yeah, that's a, that's a great issue. And so I, I just think that godly giving is never motivated by guilt, mm. ever, ever, here, mm. anywhere, or whatever. And so you have to choose to you know, give out of a spirit of generosity, out of, of heart. And so oftentimes when we're separating from our parents' church or wherever we were raised, I think there's a difficult transition that's there. And ultimately what needs to happen is every church needs to become self-sufficient at some point in some time. And no church struggled financially more than Sandals Church. I mean, we struggled immensely. And, um, but if you're gonna make it, you gotta challenge the people and it's gotta be the people that attend that local church. I mean, Tammy and I almost left Sandals Church, I think in 2001, because we simply could not afford to continue. And so I just laid that out to the church before we made our decision, the church responded. And it was great and it propelled us in growth. And so I think actually supporting another church for too long is actually hurting that church. Mm. And so what you need to do is encourage. I mean, and the reality is, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with a pastor getting a job in tent making. The apostle Paul does it. Pastors do it. Missionaries do it all over the world. I did it. Okay. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to be completely supported by your church day one or forever. There's a thing called bivocational. Some people work a part-time job and they work at their church. And that's just the reality is you've got to let them embrace their situation as it is. Now, having said that, is I, I think that you guys are being prompted by the Holy Spirit to give to the place where you are being fed. I mean, that's what the Bible says. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, eat it there in the presence of the priest. You are to participate and be fed through the act of the tithe. God gives it back to you. You give it to him. He blesses you with it. Hmm. That's that's a whole part of the process. And so what we need to do is we need to tithe where we attend church locally. And that's for those people, you know, maybe you listen to the debrief and, it, you know, if you want to send some money our way, that's great. But you should continue tithing at whatever local church you attend. So I'm not just saying that when it's for our benefit, I'm going to say that when it's not for our benefit. Sure you should be helping and contributing to the church where you are being fed, where you are being cared for, you know, where you are participating in because that's the place where God chooses his name to be honored for you and your family. And so I would just encourage you to do that. Now, if God's leading you to go back to your parents' church, then obviously the answer is simple. Go there, support there, serve there and, and give there. And I would just encourage you to do that. But one of the problems we had for a long time was, you know, people would use Sandals Church. Mm -hmm. um, early on, people used it for their kids. So people would go to other churches and send their problem kids to Sandals. So yeah. I was like, that's great. So you send us all your problems and none of your tithe. And so we would struggle while the other churches in the city, you know, had great buildings and great finances and great 401k plans for their pastors. We're, we're going under. And people always felt like they were doing me a favor by encouraging their kids to come to Sandals. I'm like, send a check, brother. You know, <laughs> what, the, what the heck? What, what, what's going on here? And so um, now eventually over time, parents started coming and that's really when Sandals became self-supportive yeah. and we were able to launch into, you know, what you see Sandals Church as, as it is today. And that's the reality. You can have all the faith in the world. If nobody gives money, you don't have a church. Mm -hmm. That's just the bottom line. So I love all these people who say, well, it's just a matter of faith and we should never talk about mm -hmm. money. Well, okay. You know, that's just not the case. And so I would just encourage you guys, if the Lord has led you to Sandals, your tithes should go to Sandals. Now, that doesn't mean that you guys don't sacrificially give over and above for a period of time to bless that other church. I mean, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, then do that. And and Tammy and I have been led, you know, um, for periods of time to help out other missionaries, other churches, and, and to contribute in that way. But I have really, really experienced over 20 years, the best thing that can happen to a local church is they must become self-supportive. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a crutch to what God wants to do in their lives. And those people need to give, those need people need to struggle, those people need to participate in that because 
you don't help people by solving all of their problems. And so part, part of the, the way that we grow in faith in God is by experiencing problems and going through those. Um, you know, and so that's, you know, government's answer to everything is give more money, more money, more money, more money. And that doesn't always solve the problems because sometimes the problem has nothing to do with money. It has to do with, you know, some other issue that has to be addressed. And oftentimes the only way we address issues is when we're really desperate. And so I just would say that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, do what the Holy Spirit says. You ask me for my opinion. And so that's what I think the Holy Spirit is saying through me. You should give to the place where you go. And, um, you know, this is the place where you're being fed, your kids are going to be raised, your life is going to be lived, you're going to be in community group. And this, you know, has God called you to participate in the movement of Sandals Church? And that's what we are. We're going to talk about, or I guess we talked about um, last weekend in church, just what is the church, the definition of the church. And we talked about that because the word church is actually a, a modern invention of, of the word. The Greek word, as you guys remember in the sermon was ekklesia, mm-hmm. which really means gathering. It, it's It's... It's in its intent, Jesus is starting a movement. So we're, we're moving towards something. And that's what the word ecclesia means is gathering for a purpose, really a sacred purpose. And it's not about a facility. It's not about a building. It's about moving towards him. And so as God is calling you to this sacred assembly at Sandals Church, and that's what we are, we are the ecclesia, the gathered ones that God has called out to come together to advance people and helping them to be real with themselves, God and others. And so we can't do that if our people don't tithe. Like I said, you know, two weeks ago, if every single person in our church made minimum wage and they all tithe yeah. off their minimum wage, we would pay off all of our debt in three years. That's sad. Mm-hmm. That's sad. If everybody made the median income of Riverside, which is $60,000 per year per family, everybody tithed, we'd pay off all debt in one year. Yeah. So this is a significant challenge for people who call themselves Christians. Now, not everybody should tithe. Some of you have just started coming to Sandals Church. And the most important thing for you to do is to connect with God. We want you to connect with God first and let God convict you. As in all things, we want you to connect with Jesus. We want you to discover the pearl in the field that Jesus talks about. We want you to fall in love with that field. And then you're going to do everything you can to purchase that and make that happen. And so that's what happened to me. And hopefully that's what's going to happen to you. And I believe God is doing very, very special things at Sandals Church. And I think it's a privilege to participate in what God is doing. And I actually feel sad for the people in our church who are just along for the ride. You know, um, when we built this building, um, I preached on Noah's Ark. I don't know if you remember that, but our 24-7 campaign was, Mm -hmm. the theme was Noah's Ark. And a lot of Christians never think about, well, who paid for the Ark? Mm -hmm. Well, I can promise you it was Noah. You know, Noah had to financially contribute. And so, you know, a lot of us in the church are along for the ride and you are one of two categories of people on the ark. You're a family member who sacrificed, who built, who served, who gave, or you're an animal. <laughs> oh man. Right, the, the, those are your, so so we're all on this vessel being saved and and, and a lot of people wanna be an animal and, and God's called you to be a son or a daughter of the king mm. and to come along and to serve and to sacrifice mm. and to struggle. And these are a lot of these stories that we read and we, we just don't ever ask tough questions. Like how did... Noah come, you know, with all of these things. How, how did these things happen? And so, you know, in the modern movie, Noah, uh, with the guy from the office, you know, all this money shows up and everything. And it, you know, it does require emotional sacrifice on his part, but you know, it's a fictitious movie, bad example. So, <laughs> All right. Our other follow-up question comes in from Amanda. And she says, I was listening to the podcast about demons and the devil, and it really stuck stuck with me when you said that people hurt themselves because of the devil. Since I was in junior high, I've struggled with a condition where I pull out my eyelashes. I've gone to counseling, changed my eating. I've started exercising and I've prayed about it. I'm wondering if the small pleasure I get from pulling out my eyelashes is from the devil. I want to stop doing it. But since listening to the podcast, I'm thinking maybe I need spiritual help to do so. 
Right. So I am not a psychiatrist. I do not pretend to be a psychiatrist. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to seek out a Christian psychiatrist. And I would broach this subject with him or her first. And so I just would ask that question, you know, at my church, they're discussing this. And so I think it's important. I think that uh, medicine needs the church and I think church needs medicine. We need to work together, not exclusively without each other. And mm-hmm. so it's important that we work together. Not everything's the devil, not everything is, is emotional or psychological. So I am not trained uh, in psychiatry. I do not understand the depths of what's going on there. But certainly if you have sought out psychiatric, psychiatric treatment, wow, it's a tough Nailed word it. to say yeah. today, um, and you've done counseling and you've worked through some issues, and, 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 you know, I don't know what the condition is, but I think all of us struggle doing things we know that harm us that bring pleasure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what sin is. I mean, so it's trusting God and trusting him in that situation. And so if there is a demonic influence in your life, then yeah, absolutely. I would seek out some deeper healing with um, the acknowledgement and the um, bring in, you know, the wisdom of psychiatry so that you don't just make it all about the devil or you don't just then become, feel like, well, I'm just afflicted and God's not saving me from this. But right. you, you know, understand as much as you can about your condition, which it sounds like it's a real condition. And Stephanie, you said you've heard of this before. I have heard of this before okay, yeah. so it's not just you. Other people are afflicted with this as well. Um, you know, the condition I'm most familiar with is where people cut themselves, which is actually what I was referring to, actually, you know, putting their life in danger. And and some people experience some form of pleasure from that. Mm-hmm. So um, and that's what the devil wants to do is hurt us. But it's not just with pulling out your eyebrows, it's getting drunk, it's having sex, it's it's all kinds of things that really damage who God's created you to be as a son or a daughter of the King. And so we need to trust that. So seek out uh, a psychiatrist who loves the Lord, who's grounded in their faith and can help you work through these issues. And uh, I think we have you know, several psychiatrists at our, at our church mm-hmm. that yeah. are, are great men and women of God who serve the community through medicine, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, um, you know, we love you, we care for you. And I think there's nothing wrong with seeking out spiritual help. Here's what I would say is, you know, a lot of us, and and this is a cultural problem is we're all looking for, you know, the big bang that's going to solve all of our problems. And so a lot of us, we just have to work through things that are physical diseases or like this is a spiritual or an emotional disease. These are things that we struggle with. And sometimes we find ourselves in the position of Paul who was given a struggle in the flesh Hmm. and he begged the Lord to take it away. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So listen to me, sometimes as Christians, things are not healed. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that God God doesn't care and God doesn't hear us. It means that there's a bigger purpose that we can't understand that doesn't make sense. And in the end, it it will all work out and we just have to trust God through the process. And don't be afraid of pain. Don't be afraid of suffering. Don't be afraid of hurt. You know, people ask me like, why do you do Spartan? Why do you do um, the Iron Man? Why do you do those things? And I have found that there's a depth of spirituality that is found in prolonged physical suffering. Hmm. There's something that uniquely happens to me in an Iron Man where I am suffering beyond my my physical capacity, where my mind unravels mm-hmm. and I, I can't focus. I can't. I mean, right, my body's giving out, my mind is going crazy. And in those moments, suddenly it becomes me and God in a very, very powerful way when I'm desperate. And um, I just I just feel the Lord. I feel the Lord in a very, very powerful way. And, um, you know, and that's helpful for marriage. It's helpful for, for raising parents. It's helpful for learning the practice of tithing, for trusting God. Like everybody wants God on the mountaintops, but nobody wants God in the valleys. 
well, the most famous Psalm isn't about experiencing God on a mountaintop. It's about walking through the valley of the shadow of death mm-hmm. because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, that's what you whack a sheep with, right? <laughs> I mean, how are sheep comforted by the rod and the staff? Well, normally they're, they're, they're whacked with it, but it's also used to fend <laughs> off wolves. Mm-hmm. That's its purpose. It's a weapon that redirects sheep when they're going the wrong direction, which is painful, mm-hmm. but it also l- terrifies the wolf. So mm-hmm. thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You, you anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies, mm-hmm. right? So I'm surrounded by physical, spiritual, and emotional affliction but God is comforting me somehow in the midst of suffering. That's why that Psalm is so powerful. It's so amazing. It's watching God comfort you in things that you don't think that you can. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to dinner with a widow in our church who lost her husband tragically a couple months ago. And it's amazing how well she's doing in the midst of a horrific experience. Mm-hmm. Gonna raise two kids without a dad, having to re- completely reorganize all of her finances because he was the primary breadwinner. And I'm watching her grow stronger find a deeper sense of joy, um, find hope in the yeah. middle of all of this heartache. And the reality is she'd love her husband back. I mean, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how things should be. He should be here, but he's not. But in the midst of that valley of the shadow of the death, she's discovering that God is with her. And um, she's learning some things, man, um, some powerful, powerful things. And um, so I just wanna encourage you to hang in there. Don't give up. We all have our challenges. Some of them are just, more easily identified like yours. I mean, you know, some of our conditions have names. Um, some of our conditions don't have names and you get in community group and you're like, something's not right with that person. <laughs> well, there's no name for that condition other than idiot, right? That's most of our conditions. And that includes myself. Um, and so just sweetheart, we love you. We're praying for you. And I would encourage you to uh, seek out a psychiatrist, like I said, and then seek out some spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. deep healing may be uh, helpful for you. Yeah. And if you want uh, help looking for a counselor, we actually have a list of counseling referrals here at Sandals Church. We'll drop those in the show notes here. You can also find this at move.se slash counseling referrals. Boom. All right, let's jump right into it. We've got a whole bunch of questions that have been coming in as a part of this launch series. I've got the uh, official launch rocket here on the table. And you've been talking, Pastor Matt, about your vision to launch 500 Sandals churches uh, in the next two years. Right. Just, there's no time limit, actually. Just yeah, a little no, joke no two years. <laughs> uh, 500 Sandals churches, and we've got a lot of questions that have been coming in. Uh, just kind of about that. I think people are excited, curious, like, whoa, never heard that before. Uh, right. So here we go. Well, this first one comes from Wyatt. What kind of strategy are you using to select locations for new campuses? Are there any immediate plans to expand further out and reach communities farther from Riverside and the IE? Yeah, so we have a whole Inland team. Empire. Yeah, we have a whole team that uh, works on that. John Brown, Ron McCoy, um, uh, Dave Casada. We we have a great team. It's called the Sandals Network team, and they're actually the people that are reaching out, talking with churches, trying to make sure um, what's the best way. And so, um, you know, here's the thing. Here's the advantage, and a lot of people just can't think this way. But there's a reason that restaurants franchise, mm-hmm. and the reason that they franchise is as the restaurant multiplies. You don't need a bigger profit margin at each restaurant. You can actually have a smaller profit margin at each restaurant and then collectively that produces a great amount of cash. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, that's just why, you know, McDonald's is the most wealthy and, and all of these other oh, yeah. corporations. And so the church has not really seen that model. So as we multiply and you have the tithes coming in from multiple campuses, actually what it really does is it empowers us to begin paying cash for facilities. And, and, then, and, and then we have no debt at all mm-hmm. because we have 
hundreds of campuses working together and giving for the same purpose and the same cause. And so as we grow, things will get easier. And so that's the model that we've strategized and that's why. So basically what the strategy is right now is to look for churches with little or no debt mm-hmm. that are within our sphere of influence where we can ask people to go to and to plug into those communities and plant locally so that we can grow a church there. That's the best way because the, the greatest uh, hindrance to Sandals Church in 20 years has been facilities, without a doubt. Trying mm-hmm. to find a facility in California. Now this, you know, some of our listeners listen in Texas or, you know, other places where it's really, really easy to, to get a church, you know, build By land. land. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is not the case in California. Right. It is horrifically challenging to get a facility. Yeah. So for us, the issue is not getting people excited and getting people motivated and directing people. Our biggest challenge has been facilities. And so one of the things our clear strategy is to look for churches, uh, unfortunately dying or struggling or near death churches who have paid for facilities that we can come into. You know, they require a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of work to upgrade because these churches are, many of them are in disrepair mm-hmm. and um, and that breaks God's heart. But remember, God is not about a building. I just had to, actually had to have this conversation with Dex this last week. I said, look, we're not looking for perfection. It's about people. So quit trying to build the perfect you know, thing. Let's just make it accessible for people because what we care about is people and we want to leverage all of our resources to reach as many people as possible. And I believe the best evangelistic tool on earth is the church. Mm-hmm. That is the evangelistic tool. So when we send missionaries to India, we want to plant churches. We want everywhere we go, we want to be about the church. Yeah. The second you become about something else, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. God, Jesus has blessed the called out ones the gathering. That's the blessed thing. Anything other than that, you're on your own. It could it could be a great thing, but Jesus is about the church. The church is Jesus's answer for healing people, for helping people, for blessing people, for you know teaching people to pray and for teaching people to understand the word of God. The church is the solution. And everybody else says, well, the church is not doing this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start my own organization that does that. The problem is what we need is the church to be the church. Mm-hmm. We, 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 need, we need to open our doors to any and all people who want a relationship with God. That's who the church is. We don't care where you are or what you've done or where you've been. We believe that the resurrected Jesus Christ can radically change your life. And we're gonna, we're, we're gonna point you to Jesus. We're gonna come alongside you and love you because you know, um, just like when an addict comes clean, there's some physical manifestations, there's some difficulties as you become unaddicted to that drug. Mm-hmm. The same thing is with sin. You, you need a group around you. You need people around you to who've gone through similar things who can help you understand. You can make it. You can make it. You you know you can do this. And so, um, you know that's what the church is. And so that that's our strategy. We believe the church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. There's no plan B. If the church fails, people go to hell. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. And so we need the church to succeed, and we want to be a part of that, and, and we want to move in that direction. And if you can't get excited about that, you're not excited about Jesus. Hmm. You're, you're, you're just not. And so that's what's so sad about Christianity is it started out a movement and then it became an institution. And so it went from something happening to, and it stalled, you know, at four, 400 years after its birth because it just, it just became, you know, all about hierarchical structures and power and money and all of this stuff. And what we're saying is, as a church is what we're looking for is simply a place for people to gather. Yeah. A place for people to gather. And, our, and, and so just so you know, we're targeting places that a lot of people are not targeting. Big successful churches. There's not a lot of big successful churches I know that are targeting San Bernardino mm-hmm. because San Bernardino is is economically challenged. 
Mm-hmm. There, there, there are issues of crime, drug, there's a lot. Well, where does the gospel need to go? Right. right? I, I, Jesus is the hope of the world. And so we want to go there and we want to help that. So, and it's not that we won't look to Orange County or LA. We will when those opportunities arise. Right. Uh, and eventually we're going to look at opportunities outside the state as our network is mm-hmm. ready to do that. So right you know, now we're primarily focused in California and India. Yeah. Well, as you've been talking, it's been making me think about, this is so, so random. And of course this is coming from me, but in and out burger, right. Which started in Southern California right. and slowly just kind of grows and grows and grows because it, it's way better to open up a new in and out burger where people already know how amazing and heavenly that experience yes. is mm-hmm. and are just excited to have one closer to them. Then yeah. all of a sudden if in and out was just trying to like start in Orlando, Florida or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, that's, we want to be an in and out burger. We want people to come in as sinners and leave as saints. That's what we want. So you don't get a burger, oh, you get your soul saved. There. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You guys, let's go get some In-N-Out Burger after I this. I just was so thinking good. about it. Let's do a yeah. debrief, debrief tip. I wish they were gluten-free buns though, because I miss eating the buns. You can just have it on lettuce, which is it's awful. Not as good. It's not as uh, yeah, good. Do you get yours on lettuce? <laughs> Uh, That's what I thought. No. All right. This next question comes in from Beth and she asks, how do you see the ministry opportunities for each campus changing to meet the needs of the community it serves? Will there be a different ministry plan for each Sandals Church campus? Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, you know, people are people no matter where you go. Now, every campus will have a pastor that will be able to address specific issues. But listen, go to the workshops, understand that Christianity is a relational movement of God. Mm -hmm. That is what it is. It starts with you. You know, you connecting with God and then you connecting with each other and serving the church. It's a basic thing. It's not new. It's really, really simple. And the church gets wacky when we make it complicated. It's mm-hmm. a very, very simple thing. Be real with yourself, be real with God and learn to trust God and be real with others. It's real simple um, because when you hide your sin, you stunt your growth. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality as a Christian. Yeah, hello. If you hide your sin, you're stunting your growth. And so you need to learn to share you know, the, the power of the church is its confession. And so we think of confessions in terms of theological statements, but our confession is we're sinners and we need to be saved. And this is, this is who we are. And God has accepted us because of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, everybody says this, well, I just believe God accepts me. Well, how does he accept you? Mm-hmm. The gospel says God accepts you as you are when you embrace Jesus for who he is. Mm-hmm. That's how God accepts you. You are not accepted unless you embrace Jesus. You, you are not because you cannot stand before a holy, perfect God as a broken, pathetic sinner. You cannot. Mm-hmm. It, it's impossible. Only the love of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ can cover you from your sins. And so, so we need that. So each, here's what I would say is each individual campus has its own kind of flavor, but it's Sandals Church. And so I would imagine one day if we get a Sandals at Church in Texas, it's going to be a little different. Yeah. Than the, and, and that's fine. But as long as they adhere to our teaching are, you know, what we're doing is working. And so here's the sad thing that when we embrace these other churches, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't want to change stupid things. And I'm just like, good Lord, that's why you're dying. Mm. When you become focused about, you know, is the church light or dark? Is the, is the preacher present or not? I mean, what kind of music is it? It's just like, who cares? Mm. Who cares? Are people being met? Are you reaching people? You know, I, I, I didn't, give my life to build a big church. I gave my life to be a part of the movement of God. And that has made it a big church. I don't, I don't care about the size of the church. I care about the size of our impact in our ministry. And so that's what we want in all of our campuses for them to have a heart for what we're doing at Sandals Church. It works. Mm-hmm. It works. You know, um, it, so just understand, like you're talking about In-N-Out Burger, it works. It works. They yeah. don't need mm-hmm. to change a thing. 
They just make burgers, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. what they do. And they're great. They're great. Um, I mean, I think McDonald's fries are better, but that's just me. That's just me. <laughs> that's a, the original yeah. McDonald's fries were before I was even born. Yes. You know, each campus, one of the things that's cool, I, I love, you know, at Hunter Park, we have this big facility. So we're able to do things like help a school out when their power closes right. or, you know, when the Las Vegas shooting happens, say, hey, mm-hmm. we're shutting down. We're opening up the campus. Anybody that wants to come here and pray. But like Sandal Church Woodcrest, they, they don't have their facility. But one of the things that they've been doing to love and serve their community from the get go is just loving and serving the teachers who are at the school where they rent and they, mm-hmm. they do that. And that kind of worked out really well. And people were getting connected to Sandals Church because of that. So they said, let's do that with some of the other schools that are up in the neighborhood. And I think that's really, really cool. Or East Valley, mm-hmm. they have a little food pantry that's been going there. And it's an incredible way of, it, I, this is what I was saying about the food pantry. We said it this last weekend. You know, it's a it's a tangible way of saying, it's okay to be where you're at Sandals Church. And you can be real and you can come and say, we have needs. And people who come to East Valley Food Pantry, so many of them end up getting connected and plugged into Sandals Church because they know this is a place where you can be real. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah, and like some of our campuses will have a much more intentional ministry to the homeless. And the reason is there's there's homeless people that come to their church. Right. So mm-hmm. so we, we need to let each campus have that, you know, kind of flavor, so to speak. And yeah. so, so in that way, we're gonna minister to the people wherever they are, but we're not gonna change our strategy. Our strategy is to encourage even homeless people to be real with themselves, to be real with God and to be real with one another. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, no matter where you are socioeconomically, we all struggle with hypocrisy. We all struggle with being real. And sometimes for a homeless person, it's simply being real about what's causing, what's going on. I mean, I had a conversation with a homeless guy at our church And I said, um, I'm not gonna say his name, but I said, hey, are are you doing okay mentally? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I saw you on the street corner talking to yourself. What's going on? Hmm. He said, I wasn't. I said, brother, I love you. I saw you talking to yourself. This is a concern for me. Hmm. Nobody in his life has ever addressed his mental illness in that way. And I didn't shame him. I didn't make him feel bad about it. It's a mental challenge that he's facing and you know, he found out through that that he's paranoid schizophrenic. And so he's now he's on some medication and he's, he's trying to work through that. But it was somebody that loved him that said, hey, bro, I love you. I care about you, but I see you doing this. Mm-hmm. So at Sandals Church, we, we don't run away from real. We run to it. Hey, this is what's going on. How can I help you do that? And so many people are uncomfortable. And we all know, you know, we talk about the dysfunction of our families. In most of our families, the vast majority of dysfunction is because we can't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. Yes. I mean, right. So, what's the difference between a spiritual family and a biological family? Biological family, you don't talk about anything. In the church, we're supposed to talk about everything. We're supposed to talk about what's real. And so, um, you know, I, I wish, you know, that in our biological families that we could have real, open, honest discussions. But that's really, really challenging because you have a millennia of biology working against you. <laughs> Here's the neat thing about becoming born again. You're starting over and you get to have real conversations and you get to talk about real things and what's really happening. And uh, in the church, it's just really, really easy to do that. You know, my family is struggling right now having a conversation with the patriarch of our family because he's struggling with dementia. Mm. And, um, you know, I, w- I wasn't there. So, I, you know, I don't know what took place, but he needs to not be driving. Mm. And no one in my family can say, I'm taking the keys away from you. And I had to do that with Grandpa Jack. You guys remember that? Yeah. And Grandpa Jack's own sons would not talk. Grandpa Jack had a shotgun in his house. I told him, I said, you're going to shoot the postman. Okay, is that the way you want to go out? You're going to kill the postman because you got confused as to what time it was? So I took his gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's a man. He fought World War II. He's a brave man. But you're 87 years old. You get confused. I'm taking your gun. 
and I'm taking your keys. And he got mad at me and he wouldn't come to church for a week. And you know what happened that week? He got in an accident. Really? Yeah. And then he came and he cried and he said he was sorry and it was horrible. Hmm. But I love him. And so when you love people, right? Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Like everybody loves that passage. You know, love is. Well, read the verse. Read the stinking verse, right? Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Your marriage will be better when the truth is winning. When the truth is losing, things may be more temporarily comfortable, but you're headed for disaster, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what do they do on the Titanic? Play music. Because right. that will ease, <laughs> that will ease the emotional suffering of our guests. Literally, they played stinking you know, violins until the thing went down. And that's, and that's just ridiculous. And so, you know, be real. In, in the house of God, the truth must win out. Jesus said this, the truth will set you free. Right. And so many of you guys have been enslaved by literally generational lies that have been taught in your family and nobody has ever talked about the wounds, the hurts. And let me tell you this, your past, you can only stuff it for so long. At some point, it makes its way into your future. Mm-hmm. And so we're all broken. We're all hurting. We're all struggling. We just need to be honest about those things so that we can become what God has called us to be. And you, you, you can't put on the new clothes of Christianity until you take off the old clothes. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with those old clothes. So you guys heard Pastor Matt talking about what our strategy is, our vision, all that kind of stuff. The way you learn more about that is you go to our workshops. We've got the very last ones that have just wrapped up for this year, but those will be starting again at all of our locations after we get through the holidays in the start of January, 2018. So if you've not joined the workshops and attended those, you've got to Mm. do that. They're so good. Also, if you go to sandalstore.com and click connect, you'll just kind of learn a little bit more about how does that actually work Mm. out? We, you'll, you know, we basically do church, we do groups, we do teams. Boom. That's how you be real in your life. So workshops, the website, there's some good stuff on there. And then this very next question ties in exactly what we were talking about with family here. How can we allow God to properly define our concept of family so we can more fully embrace and engage in what he's doing? Because you talked about a few weeks ago that depending on our experience, that word family can mean a lot of yeah, different things. A lot to of us. people have had um, horrible experiences with family. You know, mm-hmm. I was blessed growing up. I had a mom and a dad who stayed married. My dad worked hard. No you know, no infidelity, no adultery. Right. You know, we had, we, comparatively speaking, we had a really, really good life growing up. Now, it doesn't mean we were perfect. We we had our own challenges and our own issues, just like every family does. But we were really blessed. For some people, you know, the whole concept of family is threatening. It's, 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 it's terrifying. And so what you need to understand is that God is our father and he's starting a new family. Mm. And, and this, in this new family, there are new rules. And the first rule is to be real. Don't lie. Don't cheat, don't steal. So I want to do a, a series in the future called Why We All Need God. And it's a series based upon uh, the Ten Commandments because a lot of people think of laws like, oh, that's the law. Well, God gave us law because he loves us. Yeah. And so, I mean, pick, a t- pick one of the Ten Commandments that you can violate and it's to your benefit. Hmm. Like God didn't give us the Ten Commandments for his benefit. He gave them to us for ours, to mm-hmm. bless us. And so I think that a lot of people, when they look at the law, they, they look at it as a bad thing. Well, what was bad about it is what people did with it, what, what, the, what the professional Jewish believers did with it. it the, the law itself was good. And that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. I came yeah. to fulfill it and okay. teach you what it really, really meant. So understand that, you know, your understanding of family, it, it might be difficult. Uh, same thing when we say God is our father. Well, what if your father is abusive? Well, well God is not abusive. Mm. God is good. God is loving. God is kind. God is slow to anger. Um, but God is also powerful and strong. You know, some of our dads were weak, never followed through, never disciplined us. And that's why we're idiots. 
Okay, God's, God will discipline his children. Matter of fact, he says judgment starts with the house of God. So he's talking to us first before the people that rejected him. So we need to remember that. So the church is supposed to be a family. We're supposed to love for each other and care for each other. And you know, um, we just sent out the, the membership emails and, and some people have problems with membership. And so all membership is letting us know is who's in. Mm-hmm. And everybody can be in. All you gotta do is confess your sins, you know, become a Christian, be baptized, and then commit to doing a couple things. And one of those things is serving and giving. And you can't be a part of a family if you say, I'm not gonna do any chores and I'm not gonna contribute to the rent. <laughs> I've been having this conversation with yeah, my eight-year-old. <laughs> right, those are called children, right? And so we're, called, we're to be called family members. And as, as you become an adult, you need to serve the church and you need to support the church financially because it is your spiritual home. It is the place that you gather as a spiritual family, right? What is your house? That's where you gather as a biological family. The church is the house where you gather as a spiritual family and we come together and we connect. And so uh, I just wanna encourage you guys, you know, go through the workshops, sign the membership covenant. And it's just saying, I'm in, I'm in. It didn't, nobody lives it out perfectly, but I'm in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna give and I'm gonna be a part of that. So. God is calling you to be a part of the family. And here's why that's important. You know, Islam, God's, you know, Allah is calling you to be a slave. Jesus is calling you to be a son or a daughter. You are an heir of the kingdom. You have an inheritance that God wants to share with you uh, when he returns. He loves you. And so you need to start acting like you're a part of this family. So Hmm. I don't know if I answered all of those questions, but it's a good thing, not a bad thing. So a lot of us are are skewed negatively about our past, Hmm. you know, our experiences with family, so. All right, so Claudia wrote in and said, in your sermon about discovering God's purpose for my life, you mentioned that our purpose is to join Jesus. And I wanna use my time, talents, and resources to build the church by volunteering and joining a community group. However, when I express this to my husband, we're in different places and he says that we just don't have time for things like that. How can we grow as a family in our church when our spouse isn't fully on board? Yeah, that's difficult. So what what I would encourage you to do is, is begin to have a real loving conversation and say, okay, what are some things that we can cut out so that we can have put more of God in and just literally look and look at what you do. Cause every family has some things that they can cut out and stop doing. Unfortunately, what families tend to cut out is the very things they need church. Mm-hmm. And so just say, you know, just look at what, what are some of the things that we do and make sure that, you know, probably what your husband is saying is, you know, we don't have a Sabbath, but what, guess what? God's going to demand one. Hmm. So again, that's why we need God. There's gonna be a spiritual reason why you need to rest. Cause a lot of people feel guilty and they feel like they can't ever stop and they're actually sinning. God, God cares about clearing out your calendar more than you do. So what's the busy, dumb stuff that you keep doing? What are some things that you can you know, discover so that you can have more time? All of us do stupid stuff. And, and that's what makes us tired. That's what burns us out. And here's the other thing. If you start serving God, like we talked about this week, you're actually gonna have more energy. So hmm. Haggai, right? He calls for um, the rebuilding of the, of the house of God. And people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I know. Just like it's sandals now. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. You're all about money now. Well, that's what it takes to build churches. So people aren't sure. And, but ultimately people trust that Haggai is a prophet of God. And it says that God blessed them with a spirit of enthusiasm. So when you do God things, you have God's energy. When you do your things, you only have your energy. And so that's why people always say, and I know Stephanie, you, you've been my assistant and you were with me, I think when I was doing five services and mm-hmm. you know, you've seen me where I've done two, I've done three and I'm literally melting down in the back and I have no oh, energy yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm depressed. I want to quit. I'm going to go to hot dogs on the beach. So <laughs> the perfect Snickers. And then you setup. see me go out there and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean that I'm amazing. I mean, oh, my energy, it, yeah, my energy amazing. level is amazing. And, um, and I don't know, I don't know how I do it. And the answer is because I don't. But when I'm preaching, 
I know that God comes up. Now, obviously I can't keep doing five, six, seven, eight sermons because there is a point where we all break yeah, down. Absolutely. But when we're doing what God's called us to do, God promises that he'll be with us. So Jesus says in the book of Acts that they're to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, you will receive power. It, the Greek word is dunamis, which is where we get our English word dynamite. 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 I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Man, we're old. A lot of people yeah. don't know who that is. You are. But, um, but you, you know, you're going to have dynamic power when you do what God does. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'll just give you an example. I was never an extraordinary person until I stepped into ministry. When I stepped into ministry, my Matt Brown's mediocrity and God's power became extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Those two things together are extraordinary. So when you're serving yourself, and again, some of you guys, you're like, oh my gosh, we don't ever have enough bills. And that's what Haggai says, right? You guys, nothing goes right. He says, when you put money in your pockets, it's as if you have holes in your pockets. Mm-hmm. You're wasting your life. That's what Haggai is saying. You guys are wasting your life building it upon you. If you build it upon God, he's gonna bless you. And he's gonna do amazing, amazing things. And um, man, it's, it's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So, Would you encourage Claudia to just keep, be praying for her husband to get involved as much as she can in ways that make sense for her and let him come alongside yeah. when it makes sense? I mean, I think you have to have a real conversation. And then the first question needs to be, you know, what would you be okay with me doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she needs to make sure that she's not tired, that she's not like, you can't be distracted from your family. And so, um, you know, ladies, I think men get distracted with work real easily. And we have a hard time checking out and we have a hard time. I think women get have a hard time, you know, not being distracted by relationships and drama. And so you got to make sure that as a woman, that your service to God isn't taking away from, you know, your emotional in, in, intimacy for your, with your husband, you know, being available for him. Just like guys, we got to make sure that we're not so stressed out at work that when we come home, we check out. And so, um, you know, that that's important. So, so make sure that whatever it is that you're going to do for the church, whatever it is that you're going to give to the church is not detracting from your relationship with your husband. And so, and then he's going to get on board. Oh, wow, you're a better wife. You're, you're more available. You're more attentive because you're serving God. That's a good thing. And so everybody who's listening, you need to pray about everything that you're doing. Hmm. You know, like, for example, I'm just going to share this. And I've really hurt a lot of people's feelings in our church. A lot of people. I, I, I just have. I decided I'm not going to do weddings anymore. And I, man... I'm telling you, I had some persistent brides. I mean, some persistent brides. But the reality is, if I preach on Saturdays and Sundays, which is twice as much of most preachers, I don't have a weekend. Yeah, I don't have a weekend. And so am I then going to give up my Friday or my Saturday morning or my Sunday afternoon? I'm already doing too much. And that we have great pastors and great ministers in our church who can do weddings. Mm-hmm. Why, why would I do what, what they what they are gifted at? And so I've had to say no, and I I've, I see it in their eyes. I just I'm, it's so disappointing, and I'm just like, look, you know, um, if I have to choose between weddings and a funeral, I'm gonna do funerals mm-hmm. because at funerals I can preach the gospel and people are ready to listen. Mm-hmm. So it's just some it's a decision that I have had to make, and, and it's through prayer, and I believe it's led by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people say, oh well, this is because the church is too big. Yeah, but what's more important, your wedding or a soul? Mm-hmm. Souls are more important. Mm. They just are. And so, you know, we, we got to do that. I probably won't even do my own kids' weddings. <laughs> and, and the answer is I, I actually want to participate. You yeah. know, um, oh, yeah. I, w- I want to be a part and I want to be able to walk them down the aisle and, and just be about them on that day, mm. not about me. Mm. So, um, so anyways. Sounds you know, like the, the last wedding you did must have been really emotionally yeah, taxing. Just, yeah, tapped yes. you out. Just a challenging bride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really Bridezilla. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Well, you better stay Actually, in line, dude. at the last wedding I did, I stole a Porsche. It you happened. did. See? <laughs> you went out on top. I stole a Porsche. <laughs> you did. Well, I, okay. I didn't actually steal it. Yeah, people don't need to know. They don't need she, to know the rest of the story. She loaned <laughs> a stranger at, at the wedding, loaned me the keys to her incredible, beautiful vehicle made by God himself. Mm. Um, because if, if Jesus was not a Jew, he would be German. So he could make Porsches. Mm. And I might have driven it. I know. That was... That like was a, our wedding like gift Like a bat to you. out of hell through the orange groves <laughs> at Stephanie's that. wedding. Oh my gosh. It was literally the most beautiful moment of my life. I'm so glad that, you know, we could provide And I brought it back unharmed. Did. Thank you. Unharmed. I appreciate that. Yeah. Helps so us anyways, maintain some relationships again, in our that's family. a difficult decision. Guys, it's hard to tell people no. It mm-hmm. is. But listen to me. Who do you want to tell no? People or God? Mm. And, 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 you know, and you know what's sad is we're way more comfortable telling no to God. Mm. We all mm. are because we don't have to see him face to face, but listen to me one day you will. Mm. Claudia, it sounds like your mm. husband's maybe come, uh, attending Sandals Church regularly, mm. which is awesome. You know, I, I've just been so encouraged. I started coming to Sandals Church 2000. My first actual small group that I plugged into was about 2003. Um, this lady joined that group after we had been meeting for a while. Her very first thing that she ever shared with the group, like her first prayer request was about her husband, mm. wanting him to come to church. Um, it's 2017, the fall, and he's been here the last three or four weeks. Yeah. And 17 ladies, years. Yeah. I want you to know this. You do not love your husband more than God does. Mm, man. Mm. You don't. Mm. God loves your husband. He sent his son to die on the cross for your husband. Wow. So just, just know that. That no, no one cares about your husband more. No one loves your husband more. No one wants to connect with your husband more than God. And, and we got to remember that. And so what we got to do is get out of his way. And the best way to get out of God's way is by being obedient. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just taking that in. Yeah, you were, uh, you were focused. I was. Yeah. yeah actually, your, your wedding was. wasn't bad. I actually really enjoyed myself. Oh, well, thank you. I enjoyed yeah. having you there. It's great having you be a part yeah. of it. I was a little nervous during the toast. We've talked about that. Oh, yeah, we all were. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. fair. All right, so this uh, question comes in from anonymous. There's only about two-thirds the needed total amount of guacamole available on that <gasps> evening, too, by the way. Mm. I think we could have used with one or two more bowls. All right. Well, if I ever do that who's again, keeping, not. Who's keeping track, though? Who's keeping track? I can't believe that your criticism of her wedding is guacamole. You, well, your part was fantastic. Her part was fantastic. Tyler did great. What else was there to be critical mm. of? Guacamole quantity. Yeah. I actually was really nervous to do your wedding. Were you? Yeah. Because I actually really care about what you think. Oh, well, thank you. I yeah. thought it was great. I loved every moment. I wish yeah. we had recorded it, actually. So, yeah. There you go. There's a little moment. We're Stephanie, here. Stephanie, can we, can we <laughs> in the show notes, in, in this episode of show notes, can we just link to that amazing photo from oh, your wedding yeah. of yeah. Pastor Matt photobombing? Oh, this is why, yeah, that's why you're done. Because he photobombed our kiss. I hate, man. <laughs> I didn't so photobomb. Good. I'm, st- I'm like, trapped there. You were it's like the Bigfoot. It's like the most just, awkward moment of a pastor's life. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So good. We were normal. Like, we were very tame. But, like, where, we look, where you're else in the world are you ever that contact. close to two people kissing? That's fair. <laughs> you guys, this you the guys, call of the hey, go I know. to debrief.show slash Jeez. Go to debrief.show slash 88. You're going to find yeah. some amazingness. The greatest wedding photo of all time. All right. All right. So here's the question Anonymous wrote in and said, I help serve my church by leading a young adult study. Way to go. And ever since that, I've been in a position where I struggle with nonstop doubt and even depression about whether I'm good enough to lead. Pastor Matt, how do you overcome this thing that you lead a church and have way more responsibility and weight of decisions on your shoulders? Right. So none of us are worthy. None of us have enough talent. And so that's, that's where God has to come in. And we just have to trust God and follow our knees and say, I can't do this. Look, I, I, don't, I don't have enough leadership to lead my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough leadership to lead my kids. 
I, I don't have enough leadership to lead this church, but God has all of it and more. And so I have to go to God and I have to trust God. And again, you guys start reading your Bibles, just start and never stop, never, ever stop. And you'll, you'll be amazed. You'll absolutely be amazed. You know, I preached on Haggai. Some of you guys never heard of him. He's two, cha- two chapters in the Bible. It's the second smallest book in the Old Testament. I think Obadiah is the shortest, coolest name, shortest book. <laughs> it is pretty rad. Yeah. So, you know, just trust God. So um, I think it's 2 Timothy 3.16 that says uh, that, that the word of God will make a man able for every good work. I think that's that verse. It's either 1 Timothy 3.16 or 2 Timothy 3.16. I can't remember. Ooh. Stephanie will put we'll that put in, in the, the show, show notes. Yes. But, um, you know, trust God. Trust his word because he knows. Marriage was his idea. Kids were his idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, work was his idea. So everything that's good in your life was God's idea and you got to go to God and he will help you and he will give you wisdom and he will give you strength if you just trust him over time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, get on your knees, you know, get on your knees and just pray. And so this week, um, several times, you know, I just felt so compelled to get on my knees and pray. I share with you guys that I, you know, um, for those of you who pray for me, pray on Wednesdays because that's sermon day and it's just a stressful day for me. And I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't connected. And I just got on my knees and said, God, I don't have the energy. I don't have, I don't have the creativity. I don't have, I just like, I'm empty, right? I'm empty and there's nobody else to preach this weekend, but me. And I just said, God, I need your strength and I need your power. And, um, and some of that was because of what God did so awesome the previous week. Hmm. You know, it was Mm -hmm. so incredible. so powerful. I mean, I preached on tithing and I met a girl who gave her life to Christ. She's like, yeah, I got saved today. I was like, how? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I preached on tithing and you got saved. And, um, you know, that's just, this is a great thing. So, so just trust God. And the other thing is, is find some leaders mm-hmm. that know you and ask them, am I, am I in my lane? Oh yeah. Cause yeah. sometimes we, when we're not in our lanes, like for example, it doesn't matter how much I pray. If the church calls me to lead worship, we're in trouble. Like I'm not going to be able to do it. And you know, this is why, you know, people criticize, oh, Sandals Church puts Matt on video. That's because not everybody can preach. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. It, if it was, everybody would do it. I mean, l- people tell me this all the time. Oh my gosh, I used to fall asleep in church, but I can't fall asleep because I'm a nutcase who loves Jesus. <laughs> and and I can communicate in such a way that keeps people awake and keeps their attention. And that's important. Yeah. And it's a gift. And so, um, man, Hopefully I'll be able to sing in heaven, but now it's not happening and I can't do it. I hate hearing the sound of my voice. That's why people are, why is the music so loud? So we don't have to hear the people who can't sing. That's why it's so loud. Gosh, we don't want to hear you, but we want you to worship. Fair enough. Um, So find some people that know you and love you and help them evaluate. Maybe there's a different place for you in the church. If, If ultimately you're unraveling, oftentimes it's when you're not where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so- Okay, here's a related question. How can we run to broken people in order to grow God's kingdom if we are broken ourselves? Is there a point at which we're whole enough to make an impact? If so, how do we know when that point is? Right, so I think wholeness, right? Jesus says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. That word in the Greek means wholeness. Mm-hmm. So, so be whole, be complete. So I think that that's the goal. I don't think it ever happens in this life. There's a great book by Henry Nouwen called The Broken Healer. Okay, And so one of the things while we bandage ourselves and God helps us heal, what we're learning to do is not only heal for ourselves, but we're learning to help others heal. Mm -hmm. So actually being a broken leader is an indispensable um, quality for a leader. So Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a bad pastor, one who doesn't think they're broken, that's a bad pastor. Mm -hmm. 
It's terrible. It's it's just it's just not good. They become arrogant. They're all about themselves, their knowledge, their gifts. You know that, that. And I just I can't go to a church like that where the pastor just thinks that they're literally God's gift to the earth. It's right. just it's just not for mm-hmm. me. And unfortunately, a lot of pastors are that way yeah. because they get a lot of education. They learn a lot. And Paul says this: knowledge puffs up. These pastors go to school and they get puffed up. And you know, some people are stoned on weed; others are stoned on themselves. So that's just the reality. And uh, both make you stupid. So whether it's yourself or weed, so um, it's just it's just tragic. So I, I just would encourage you: always maintain a spirit of humility. You know, but by the grace of God, there go I. And so, you know. The more you deal with yourself, the closer you're going to be to Christ. And so the people who actually think they're holy are really you know, far from Christ. Think about the story that we use all the time at our church in Luke 18, two people come to the cross. Mm-hmm. One person says, man, God, thank you that I'm not like this guy. Yeah. And the other guy says, God, he couldn't even look up to heaven and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says the sinner went home right. The, the preacher went home wrong, Mm -hmm. was not connected to God. And so we all need to be broken. Now, here's the thing. It's not, man, I'm a sinner and I'm just gonna keep sinning. It's man, I'm a sinner and I wanna stop and I'm trying to stop and I'm doing my very best. And so that's what makes sandals different is some churches just, you know, embrace sin. You know, they just say, well, we're all sinners. So just go ahead and do it. That's not sandals church. We're saying we're all sinners and we all are trying to kill that sin, destroy that sin you know, defeat that sin in our lives, but it is a struggle and it's real and it's every day. And so, um, you know, some of us are gonna struggle with issues our whole life, mm. our whole life. And um, and oftentimes it's when you're trying to do the great things for God, you struggle the greatest. I mean, that's what I've noticed when I'm trying to, to trust God and be faithful in God, I find oftentimes temptation is right there with me and some old weaknesses and old wounds come up. So mm. here's what I would say, be real with yourself. You know, we have the... Um, the real you workshop coming up. I think it's going to be in February. It's going to be the first one. And, you know, we want to teach you both about your brokenness and your beauty. And we want you to know both of those things. Mm -hmm. And when you embrace both of those things, you're going to better understand yourself. You're going to better understand um, how to serve people and how you connect with God. You know, what, what, what is holding you back from your connection with God? That's your brokenness. What's, what's pushing you to do great things for God? That's your beauty. And so God wants to heal your brokenness and enhance your beauty. So don't miss those workshops. And just so you know, those are free for people who do the workshops. So mm-hmm. uh, once you go through, you know, self-God others, then you are then able to go through this workshop. I'm super excited. Both Tammy and I are gonna participate in that workshop. And it's really gonna be like a retreat. It's gonna be a Friday night and Saturday. It's gonna be a big deal. And we mm-hmm. hopefully one day, you know, everybody in our church will be able to, go through those things. And um, I'll get to meet a lot of you personally that I, I've not met. So so just know this, we're all broken. We're all incredibly broken. And um, that's the truth, man. So, you know, the apostle Paul said he was the chief among all sinners. He's the worst sinner. And that guy wrote 13 books in the New Testament. So just embrace that, trust that, and know that God can use you. But having said that, don't give yourself permission to continue to sin. Do not do it. Make sure you know, like for example, um, you know, if I'm feeling tempted or I, I'm, I'm struggling in some way, I always go back to, I wanna be a man of integrity. And so mm-hmm. what's a man of integrity? A man of integrity is not a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And so integrity doesn't mean I don't have temptations. I don't have desires to sin. Integrity means I reach out to my friends and say, hey, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think a lot of people go wrong is they feel like they should never struggle. No, when you do struggle, I mean, a lot of people don't think about this, but why would God put the temptations of Jesus in the Bible? Because 
the Bible's telling us he was tempted. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those were, they're not temptations if he's not tempted. And so Hebrews says that we have a high priest who understands us because he was tempted in every way that we were, yet lived without sin. And so Jesus uniquely depended upon the Holy Spirit in those moments. You're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the way that you lean on the Holy Spirit is you lean on the family of Christ, your family, your spiritual family. You call them up and you say, look, man, I'm struggling. And this is, this is what a dad or a brother is supposed to be. A brother is always supposed to be there for you. A dad is always supposed to be there for you. A mom is supposed to love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not always our experiences. In the church, that's supposed to be the experiences. Mm-hmm. When we need you the most, we want to reach out. And, 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 but let me say this. Some, some people say, well, Sandals wasn't there for me. We can't reach out to people who aren't real. Mm-hmm. If you don't let us know, you, you don't let us know, you know, I ran into a, 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 a member of our church who was upset that we didn't reach out because her kid was at Castleview. And I said, I said, how am I supposed to know your kid goes to that school? Mm-hmm. What I need is you to tell us, hey, that my kid was at that school and I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. So then we can minister to you. Then, then we, can, we can bless you and come alongside you. I understand that you're hurting. That's normal. I would be freaked out too mm-hmm. if that happened to me, if I was a part of that process. Um, you know, like the shootings that took place in Vegas. Man, the only people we were able to minister to are the ones that came to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. We said, we're here. We're here. I mean, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden. If you don't come, Jesus is not going to minister to you. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's given an invitation. You got to reach out. And so part of that is oftentimes what we do is we put Christians and churches on a pedestal and we expect them to do supernatural things all the time. They should know. They should reach out. They should connect. Man, if you dropped out of a small group, and nobody's followed up with you. Let us know, because mm-hmm. we care about that. But I, but you know, not every small group is perfect. You got a lot of self focused people in small groups, right? And so they're, you know, I, this is like just a, a news flash to most people. Everybody's treading water. Okay, <laughs> everyone is treading water. And so here's what happens: is people say, "Well, I was drowning and no one came to me." Everyone's treading water. The only way people who are treading water can come to you is when you call out for help. And you mm-hmm. see, I need help. Yeah. And so, you know, and then even then not everybody's happy with what we do because sandals can't solve all your problems. So, yeah. Hey, quick shout out to those of you guys who do support and give and tithe and all that stuff. We've been talking about at Sandals Church. I was just talking to Brian McCoy, who you guys know his team is part of helping respond to people when they reach out. So far in 2017, uh, they've did like did the math or whatever, 8.2 times a day, people reach out and ask for help oh, wow. uh, of Sandals Church. So eight, and that's new people, you know what I mean? Yeah. 8.2 uh, per day. So you guys are, uh, when you give, you're actually helping helping the church uh, be able to do that because when somebody reaches out in crisis, they, it's really helpful if we can call them back within 24 hours or, you know what I mean, 48 hours, whatever yeah. it is. So thank you guys for giving and supporting. With that, we're going to wrap it up here today. There's all kinds of goodness waiting for you over there at debrief.show slash 88. There's books, some wounded healer. Then there's Pastor Matt, the wounded preacher, uh, po- post-wedding um, there's all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, still resco- recovering wounded. from the Schaefer wedding. Emotionally wounded. <laughs> Emotionally wounded. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's all kinds of goodness over there on debrief.show slash 88. Uh, we love when you guys hang out with us. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, social, all that stuff. We absolutely love that. And lastly, but certainly not least, we are super grateful for those of you guys who choose to support Sandals Church through the debrief. If you want to do that, you can text give debrief. That's two separate words. Give debrief to 951 900 4120. Uh, we love you guys. Right. And some of you guys have actually written in and said, I don't have time to write that down when I hear it in the car. We'll also throw that number in our show notes so that you can see it there too. So if you want to text oh. it and give, but or you, maybe can memorize it. you don't want to text while you're yeah, driving. You've never memorized it. Yeah. Give debrief to 951-941-20. At least 88 times. Yeah. So <laughs> that is true. Yeah. 
Uh, well, boom. 9, 5, 1, 9, 140, 20. 